health, parenting, finance, travel, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rotersheimer, your host. As we are nearly a year into the pandemic and subsequent lockdowns here in the United States, I'm reminded of the constant stressors and unknown things that continue to come up that we're all having to deal with. If you're like me, you've also read a number of articles that remind us to take care of yourself and try to relax as much as you possibly can. So I invited a friend of the show, Renee Exelbert, to come back on the podcast. I had her on to talk about her book, Chemo Muscles. And specifically, she is a psychologist as well as personal trainer. So she has a unique perspective on ways for us to continue to take care of ourselves, specifically from the angle of not only physical health, but mental health. So Renee, I'm thrilled to have you back on the show and tell me how you've been doing through all of the lockdowns. First of all, I'm so happy to, I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much. Um, how has life been? Um, life has been uh, crazy for most people. Um, for me personally, um, I've had a beautiful year. Um, and I sometimes feel guilty saying that because I know that most people regarded 2020 as a horrible year. Um, but my, my mindset in life is always to try and, uh, look at the positives and look at our blessings and, um, you know, I've personally had other years in my own life that have been much more difficult than 2020. Um, so I find like there are a lot of blessings that have happened this year, um, a lot of negative, but also a lot of blessings that have come out of this year that I think it's really, really important for us to acknowledge. Uh, so, so that's how I am um, in terms of um, individuals uh, with whom I work. I will say that I've never in my professional career ever been busier, ever. Um, and you know, it's unfortunate because I think that even the healthiest of people are, are starting to lose it. Um, I think that it's, you know, people are looking for an end in sight. Uh, one of the things that we need in terms of, uh, just being in control of our lives is to have some sense of certainty. And unfortunately with the pandemic, you know, really we have a lot of uncertainty, uh, which makes it difficult to control things. It makes it difficult to um, lessen our anxiety. Uh, and so those things have really been contributing to a lot of mental health issues. Um, people have had tremendous grief and loss. Uh, we've you know, seen people who have had the most tragic experience where they can't say goodbye to their loved one, which is horrific. Um, I'll tell you in a moment, I myself was... Um, uh, I was caring for my mom who was in a rehab center and right before she was supposed to be discharged, she acquired COVID. Uh, and so she was in isolation for about a month and a half. And there was a solid 14 days where we had no contact with her whatsoever and really didn't know if she would survive. Um, so I certainly can understand that sadness of not being able to connect. Uh, and I can certainly understand the gift of uh, being able to do a FaceTime with somebody and being able to just speak to them. Uh, so, uh, lots of, lots of that, but, um, I'm, I'm going, I ha I'm going to go off on so many tangents because there's so much to say. Good segue there for zoom. It's so cliche, of course, to say zoom fatigue, right? And if I have to see one more face on a box, but 
you're right. Looking at that from a different perspective, it is a terrible, to say the least, situation people find themselves in if it even comes down to last goodbyes, things like that. So thank goodness for some of the technology we do have to make, again, a horrific situation a little bit more bearable. And yeah, you are really hitting a lot of the the, the mental health part. And I have a feeling the other health pieces and what people find themselves doing, i.e. I want to start with dieting. And I was going to say, oh, the easy one, the maybe a little bit more fun one, but there is the concept of comfort eating. And I've been joking, what a terrible situation it is that my pantry is right next to my home office. (laughs) So I'm not limited to the food that I put in the refrigerator at the office. So what, what are you hearing in that world as far as people trying to regulate themselves? I'm a personal trainer as well, and so I'm I'm really uh, focused as well on on people's um, experience with exercise and diet. And so there has definitely be, been an increase in um, weight during this pandemic. Um, as you said, many people are working from home, um, and as we spoke about previously, many people are feeling anxious and out of control. And so food, uh, our intake and our you know and our um, exporting a food is very much connected to control. Um, and in fact, most eating disorders are connected to control. Um, and so when people are lacking control, they're at their, you know, their pantries and their refrigerators and, uh, they're bored, they're anxious and, and it is comfort for many people. And food also serves as a substitute for meeting needs that are unmet. Right. And so, that's where many people are going. Um, and in fact, when we have a little opportunity to make choices in our life, sometimes the refrigerator provides us with the, the greatest level of choices for the day. Um, so yeah, people have been really struggling with weight. Uh, those individuals who are uh, really used to going to a gym or exercising have uh, had greater difficulty doing so. Um, lots of people have had to be creative with their exercise. Um, some people find that they're not motivated to to exercise. They were relying on their routine or relying on getting out of the house or relying on specific gym equipment. Um, so even the most dedicated are having some difficulties with that. Um, you know, so yeah, that's been a, a big issue. What about even access to the foods that people should be eating. So for example, of course, we've been told to limit the amount of time you go out of the house and fresh produce, of course, goes bad a lot faster than processed foods and the stuff that's a little bit easier to get. Have you heard any struggles there that people are limiting the amount of time they're going to the grocery store? Therefore, they're only buying non-perishable items with, not to lump them all together, but aren't going to be as healthy as the perishable fresh produce. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Um, I I certainly know from a personal experience at the beginning of the pandemic, um, poultry uh, and meats were were limited to two items, right? And so there were 
definite times where I went to the grocery store, which I was also trying to limit going out, uh, and there would be no meat whatsoever. So yeah, you know, by default, you were able to eat, you know, very specific things, fresh poultry. Uh, there were, you know, definitely things that were limited um, in availability. Like, you know, obviously we all have heard about toilet paper, but um, that's a whole other story. But yeah, there there was, you know, definitely fewer options. And, um, and once again, even people rely on um, stores, you know, to provide them maybe with homemade smoothies or uh, delivery services, right? Like things have, you know, were definitely much more scarce. You know, in addition to that, I think that self-care has been also really lacking. And so many people take care of themselves through diet and exercise. And I think that that has sort of gone by the wayside for many people because, you know, they've just been anxious. They've been you know, a little bit in a, a, a psychological rut. And so maybe previously things that they might have done to really take care of themselves, um, you know, have, have fallen by the wayside. And that, and that also, you know, does come down to maybe going to your local smoothie place or, you know, picking up a, a shake at the gym, you know, people couldn't do those things. So some of those health practices, you know, weren't, weren't possible. And as I was mentioning before we hit the record button, in my area, when they instituted the school lunch program, we weren't getting it at first, but we heard from friends of ours that they were having so little participation that they opened it up to anybody in the community because if they didn't get participation, they were going to shut down the program altogether. So we went and got the food and maybe I forgot what school lunch was like when I was a kid, but the selections you get are not the best. You know, chicken nuggets, pizza, calzones, uh, a lot of bread. I, I do remember this. Apparently, in the world of school lunch, breadsticks and marinara sauce is considered a main course, <laughs> which I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then to add insult to injury, <laughs> the few times that they provide vegetables, they're clearly the canned and have been frozen and however they get prepared are really mushy, soggy, not exactly the most delicious offering that you can have, but it's there. It's easy. I think that's something else maybe that people are really looking for right now. Again, the control piece that you mentioned. So I will say we've continued to use that program, but it is not helping in my healthy meal choices. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you recommend for limiting the amount of contact people have outside? You mentioned smoothies. I know there are things like Blue Apron. I think a lot of places even have co-ops, I think is what they call it, but basically where local farmers offer programs where they will deliver the produce. Any other thoughts or what you've been recommending for folks to keep the diet in check while also practicing social distancing? Well, one of the things I think that is important during this time period is sort of some self-compassion, right? I think that everyone finds the need to be, you know, achieving a lot during this time and have to have their diet on, on par and everything's got to be, you know, great and, and achievement oriented. And, and I think, you know, we really need to just acknowledge that it's, it's really difficult to get through this time period, um, and stay, you know, hopeful and optimistic. And so 
if people are, are, aren't, you know, uh, doing the exact same health practices, you know, to try and have some, some level of self-compassion, obviously it's so important to, to take care of yourself, but, but also just self-compassion. Like we can't, we can't do everything. Um, you know, there are lots of things in nutrition. Um, there's something called Berardi's law and it states that anything that you put in your pantry is something that you're going to eat. Right. And so, you know, in terms of just making choices, don't, don't buy things that you're going to have sitting in your home when you're working from home and they're there and they're going to tempt you. Right. Like that's just, you know, don't, don't do those things. Um, and in terms of like just making choices, it's actually more efficacious to slowly add in healthy food and crowd out the junk. It's not so important in the beginning to get rid of all the junk. It's actually more important in the beginning when you're trying to make healthy choices to just slowly add in healthy. So if you're going to have a greasy pork sandwich, slap some lettuce on it and, you know, and you're, you're moving towards change. And so it's always about, you know, uh, slowly moving towards changes that we can sustain over time. But I do think the pandemic has been very difficult uh, for people in that capacity. And so once again, it's like, do the best you can, try as best you can to take care of yourself, recognize that food does impact your mood um, and your health and your functioning and your immunity, but have some level of compassion that you're trying, but you can't do it all. I want to jump off of that emphasis on mood. Again, I think we'll discuss more with the mental health part, which it keeps creeping in <laughs> to our uh, discussion here, but also the fact that you're at home. Well, who are the people you're dealing with? Your family, who, in my opinion, by definition, are the people that deserve the best of you. But man, with everything that's coming at us, it's really hard to take a step back and realize that you still want to be good to your loved ones in life. And that also goes back to what you said, control what you can control. Also, I'm drawing a parallel between your recommendation for getting your diet improved, i.e. a step at a time and don't do it all at once because you'll probably revert back to those habits. That sounds like a very similar recommendation to the exercise world, I would think. What are you hearing from people's exercise regimens? You mentioned people missing the gym. What are you seeing and what are you telling people to do to replace maybe their regular gym schedule? Yeah, I think that um, many people have had to make lots of substitutions, including myself. Um, I'm so fortunate personally that I have a gym um, in my basement, but I'm missing my beloved cable machines and I'm missing being able to switch up my exercises, right? And so even though I'm really fortunate that I, I still can work out, um, and I would work out with, if I had no, no equipment, I would still work out. I think that it's difficult for people. And so people are sort of drawing a blank. If they don't have gym equipment, they say, I can't work out. The truth is you can pick up uh, a gallon of laundry detergent and do, you know, squats and, um, you know, chest presses with your, with your big gallon of, uh, of laundry detergent. You can do push-ups. you can do squats, you can go up against your wall and do handstands. You can do a thousand things without a single 
you know, piece of gym equipment. But I think that people do get all or nothing. Uh, they miss their routines and therefore they feel like they can't do anything. Um, for some people, they're lacking motivation because they're not leaving the house and they're finding it difficult to compartmentalize the different parts of their day. Um, and they're doing everything at home. Right. And so some people are missing, you know, even the motivation to go to a different room in their house and see that that room is capable of a place where, you know, providing um, some area to exercise or they don't have, you know, they're they're balancing between their family members who gets what room. So there, you know, I definitely think that people have um, have had more all or nothing thinking. I think that many people have sort of fallen in a rut and have experienced some hopelessness. What's the point? Why should I bother? Um, and I do think that one of the first things to go for many people is self-care, unfortunately, uh, because now is a time that we've really needed to prioritize it. And I unfortunately think that that's when most people have let it go. How about the community aspect that comes with a gym in particular? My wife pretty regularly goes for the classes and she'll be the first to say that if she didn't have the classes and the people that are there, she probably would fall off the wagon even more <laughs> or be prone to falling off the wagon. Are you noticing that as well? A hundred percent. I, you know, I'm a gym rat and I have my gym peeps, you know, and some of them I've actually been training with for a decade. Uh, so they're a very special group to me. And it's, it's beyond even the exercise. It's even more about the, um, it's about the, the ritual. You know, I have a, a dear friend, um, who works out with me and she and I talk about even the lacing up of our, uh, of our workout gloves, how, you know, there's a whole identity shift that happens when you work out and you weight lift and you strap on your, your gloves. It's like, you're getting into like workout mode. Right. And, and people who go to the gym regularly, not only do they have this whole sense of community where they look forward to seeing different people in their lives, you know, older people, younger people, people from very different crowds, but they also have specific machines that they have really conquered certain personal goals on. And, you know, and believe it or not, there's like this, this reverence amongst uh, people who really work out for certain machines and, you know, and to not have those certain machines, it's like, it, it changes the whole experience for them. And, and so, um, yeah, there's, there's been, it's been very difficult. I think that's why there's been such success amongst many of the virtual exercise platforms. You know, this has been a savior for many people that they can exercise at home. Many companies have been really altruistic and they have, you know, provided 30 free days of their service, um, where people can, you know, try these group apps. And I, and I do think it's been a savior for many people, not only for the community aspect, but just to exercise, just to have something when they don't have access to machines. I was definitely curious on your perspective in the growth of the Pelotons and other digital I don't want to say replacements, let's call it supplements, especially for what's going on now. And sticking to that description of supplement, whenever we get to more of a normal life, do you see people sticking with just the virtual workouts or are they still going to crave the face-to-face -face interaction? I think that we're going to see a dramatic change in our society as a whole. I think that many people are desperate to get back to their 
regular lives, but I actually think that life will just change from, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get back to exactly where we were. We can't, we've been through a, a very dramatic experience as a, as a human race, right? And it changed us. It changed how we see things. I think that there are going to be many people who, despite the fact that they miss going to a work environment, have really liked working from home. And what I'm hearing from many colleagues um, is that they want to balance, right? They don't want to work exclusively from home and they don't want to exclusively go to their office. Um, so I'm, I think that people are going to experience the same thing from the gym, right? Like I love the gym. I miss it so much. Um, but I haven't been going to a gym now for a year. Um, I also have some friends who once the gyms reopened a few months ago, went back, right. There are some people who are a little bit more, um, concerned about, you know, public spaces, right. It's a personal choice, but I think that there's going to be more of, um, uh, inter integrating home and going out. And I think that because of the pandemic, one of the things we saw was that it was really difficult to buy home gym equipment, weights. They were these coveted, you know, delicacies. Right. And so I think that many people did, uh, for, you know, um, get things in their house, including myself, right. I, I, I did buy an exercise bike and I, I did increase my weights so that if I, can't get to the gym now, I feel much more comfortable being able to work out at home. So I think that we're going to see a mix. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty right on. I've avoided getting any additional gym equipment. <laughs> Again, call out to what you gave the example of use the laundry detergent bottles. Those are pretty heavy. And I feel like gym equipment is something if you go on Craigslist or eBay, man, there's a ton of people that thought they were going to use it for a really long period and then they don't and they're selling all of this stuff. So maybe even while you're figuring out your new regimen, save a little bit of money until you know that it's what you're actually going to be able to stick with. And luckily for me, as you know, I'm a runner. So my workout regimen has not changed a whole heck of a lot, including t I hate the treadmill. So all the more reason for me to stay outside, maybe put on an extra coat or something <laughs> so that I can stay outside. But there is something about the gym in particular, like we'll use the swimming pool. That's something I don't have at my house. So would have to be able to do. And again, there is a sense of community there from that particular standpoint. Talking over to a little bit of the mental health, do you feel like right now the changes that probably will stick with us, i.e. working from home, getting a little bit of interaction, do you feel like it's a good, bad, or just different? I just think the world is changing. Um, you know, even from my my own profession, right? I'm seeing 70% um, of my uh, clients right now over Zoom, right? And because of what's happened, some people um, who, you know, aren't close to my location have reached out to me and I'm seeing them virtually. And so I don't know if that will, if we'll ever actually meet in person because it's not going to be convenient for them to come to see me, right? Um, so I, I think that things are shifting. And I think that there are some tremendous benefits to all that we've experienced. I think from a technology standpoint, we're seeing that certain things are really possible and there can be really, um, there, there can be great things about, about technology. 
And I think that we're obviously missing human connectedness. Um, but I do think the world is going to change as a result of this. Um, I think that there are going to be people who, once we can get out into public, are going to go crazy and want to be out at bars and seeing as many people as they can and, you know, and, and trying to make up for lost time. I think we're going to see a, a lot, but um, I think we're also going to come back to some of the things that people might not have really personally acknowledged um, that were real benefits to this time period. Um, I, for one, I have loved the fact that both of my daughters and my husband are home. Um, I, if I could bottle this time up with my whole family together, um, I, you know, it's been great. Um, I love the fact that I'm home for more dinner. I love the fact that I can, you know, walk into my daughter's room in the middle of the day when she would normally be in school and I could see her look up and roll her eyes and be like, oh, I can't stand math or whatever. Like I, there's so many things. I, I love the fact that we've introduced family game night into, into our house. I love the fact that my dog seems so happy because she has constant company, right? Like there are just so many benefits. And I think that many of the things that are so important to our lives are people and for the people in our lives who are really special to us, who we haven't been able to see, I think that we're going to be really happy to see them. But I think that there are going to be some people who come at life from a much more simplistic vantage point and see that a lot of what they need, they have. Actually something else about the work-life balance I've made this joke that when you're on the umpteenth Zoom call for the day and if somebody's kid or dog or cat come into the screen and a person's quick to say, oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, don't be sorry. We're all dealing with the same situation. Let them come onto the screen if you're comfortable with that. It'll make this meeting a little bit more fun. So yeah, maybe it'll be a literal symbol for some people that yeah, work-life balance and bringing some of the lessons from this time into your overall routine. And if you needed to reprioritize, hopefully it's helping you do that. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's so much written about, you know, more of a, a greater call for integration, right? Um, trying to move in the direction of having people not work 15 hour days and, and not, you know, leaving their kids and, and having no family time. Right. And so I think that, you know, this time period has allowed for that where people can appear more human. Right. And we've even seen that with celebrities who do their, um, you know, their shows from home and their kids are in the background, right? Like it, it in some way makes the world a much more connected place because we're all going through the same thing. We're all, you know, in our homes and our kids. And, and it, it just shows that we're all the same in many ways. Right. And so there is some level of connectedness when the world is, you know, going through this time period that feels very disconnected. Um, so that's all really important. What do you think for kids? I know it's something we've talked about on the show quite a bit. Of course, it's very much in front and center news as far as the amount of screen time and them getting maybe too used to the technology. As a matter of fact, I just read an article a couple of days ago that talked about 
technology withdrawal that might be coming from kids when they get back into the classroom and can do other things. They're going to be so used to it that for us as adults, while we're talking, we're saying we can take this time and find the good that maybe we were missing from before, but we have a long history of before, whereas depending on the age of the kid, they may not and could maybe get sucked in a little bit more. Do you have thoughts about that age group? I do. I think it's, uh, I think it's been a very challenging and difficult time. And as I said, in my own um, psychotherapy practice, I've definitely seen an increase in uh, anxiety and depression with children and adolescents. Um, the other thing that I've been told by many of the uh, adolescents and young adults I see is that they're home and that they're bored and that they have nothing to do other than be on social media. And although social media has so many merits, one of the things that we do know for sure is that it can decrease somebody's self-esteem. And many young people in particular uh, compare themselves to others, not just young people, adults as well. Uh, They compare themselves to others and they see this very idealistic snapshot of somebody's, you know, one moment that probably took an hour to cultivate this perfect scenario, right? And they post it and somebody else looks at it and thinks, you know, oh, they have an ideal life. And so in terms of perfectionism and, um, you know, being evaluated by other people and how you feel like you compare, I think it's been particularly difficult for adolescents and young adults, particularly difficult. Um, And I have heard that specifically mentioned by the young adults that I see. Um, So I think that many of them are drained. Uh, Zoom drain, by the way, is a very real thing. Um, You know, just even in terms of um, our facial expressions, how much we pay attention when we're on Zoom or any, you know, virtual platform. We're working extra hard to read nonverbal cues. We're, we're working extra hard to hear things, right? Um, you know, sometimes we have anxiety because we're not sure if the person heard us or if we just lost our internet connection, right? Um, so there's a real drain. And then there's also um, uh, the drain because we're doing our personal, professional, and social activities all in front of the screen, right? There's no division. So for many people, if they're having like an office party or a FaceTime get together with their old friends, at the end of the day, they're like, I can't go back on the computer. I don't want to see any, I don't want to be on the computer. Right. And so, yeah, that's been challenging for people as well. Actually referencing back to the first episode that I had you on, of course, we were talking about my marathon training. And to your point about faces up to that point, I don't know that I'd ever shown my face in any podcast promos or otherwise. But the first one, I think the first one that I did was when I ran the virtual race. Of course, it was bittersweet because even if I hit my Boston time, it wasn't going to count for a Boston time. So I did a video afterwards. And I think trying to own some of the lessons that we're talking about here, make the best of it. It was a family event where my kids were able to cheer me on. But I know for myself, I avoided having my face on social media, even for the podcast, because I don't want to see my dumb face <laughs> on on all these different things. And I uh, think of for, like for Zoom. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> But I think of for teenagers, right? So like I am fully grown adult. 
I can't imagine having to do virtual school, not only for keeping your attention up, but also having to see my face front and center and knowing all of my classmates see my face front and center as well. It's like, man, that is a tough thing to have to work through, I would think, especially as a teenager. Right. Well, what's interesting is that a lot of teenagers, when they are taking classes, they just stay off camera. Right. And like the, 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 you know, engagement is horrible. Right. And so I'm a professor, you know, um, and so I made my students, I'm like, nobody can go off camera. Like you have to be engaged, but it's hard. It's like, they're sitting for hours. Right. So I, myself as a professor, I'm a weirdo, right? I make my students get up when they, I, I'm reading their nonverbal cues or, or on our session. I see they're like three o'clock, you know, losing it and looking like their, their eyes are glazed over and I make them get up and, and do jumping jacks. I make them, you know, and like, this is what, you know, I think professors, teachers have had to try and be much more creative, um, you know, but it, it is hard and, but everybody's in the same boat. Um, and so I think it requires creativity. It certainly requires, um, time to decompress time to get away from the screen. What's crazy is that we spend all day on screens and then the way people are kind of chilling out, right. And, and decompressing as they go on social media, right. Our brains weren't designed for this constant influx of, of material coming at us. In fact, there's a there's a study that suggests that uh, if you look at social media or your telephone or any electronic device with news or information coming at you first thing in the morning, that over time you will show the same brain scan as someone who has severe PTSD, severe post-traumatic stress disorder. So that's been another thing that people are so um, you know, reliant on their social media and their phones and their electronics because they're not doing anything else, right? That the level of stress has also increased. People are watching the news over and over and over again, especially in the beginning, hearing like all of the negative things. You're not going many places. So you're seeing these things over and over and over. And you can have something called vicarious traumatization where you're literally being traumatized by watching something that you yourself aren't even personally experiencing. Um, so, you know, when we were watching as an, as a, a world, you know, death after death after death and seeing these images, it was, it was absolutely traumatizing. So when people say, I want to get back to normal, right? There is there where we can't just pretend that this didn't happen to all of us and that it didn't, impact us. It did. We've all been impacted and in some negative ways, but in some positive ways. And so we're all changed. Not that I'll go deep into this as well, but of course, worth acknowledging the political and other social things that have gone on at the same time is even more news. And I feel like I've heard, of course, concerns about social media basically putting in front of you what you want to see and hear, or in other words, you want to see and hear things that confirm you being right about things. <laughs> and so the more people engage in that as their news source, that can obviously also create rifts. And I wonder if that is any worse because people aren't coming together as a group 
because they have the same job or they have the same other interests, but maybe they don't think exactly alike, like your social media feed is going to lead you to believe. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, I agree. I think that, um, people are, you know, become much more, uh, introverted in some way they become disconnected from the outer world and you know and more focused on themselves more focused on their own lives right and this lack of community uh can have you know can impact us which is why it's so important in whatever way we can to stay connected to others to perhaps volunteer in a way um that is obviously safe with somebody who's less fortunate, right? There's so many things that we should be doing and can be doing for other people in our society right now um, that, sh- that are just really important. This has been a time like no other where social altruism has been so pertinent, right? Like literally just by our own actions, we can either be contributing to the life or death of someone else, right? We hold so much power in our hands as individual human beings, right? And so, we could be using this time for a lot of growth. And I think some are and some aren't. And, you know, I think that, you know, the possibility to grow from even these times of tremendous adversity still definitely exists. Again, connecting some themes that we're talking about here, just like in the world of exercise and diet and giving yourself some grace and a break (laughs) if you're falling off the wagon a little bit, extend that grace and understanding to other people, uh, especially while we are so disconnected in the real world. It'll probably go a long way. I try to think if something happens that you don't like or you think somebody has done something wrong to you, it's a way better path to assume that it was either an accident or for some other means rather than just assuming that somebody's out to get you because then you go down a bad path. So that's something I think to remember as well while we're continuing to be in our own bubbles. Absolutely. And you never know somebody else's story, right? I mean, you hear that all the time. You never know what somebody else is experiencing, right? Like even those small Uh, moments that we exchange, you know, between human beings on the road or, you know, in a moment of road rage or in the grocery store, right? Like you never know what somebody else is experiencing. And so sometimes it comes down to just like, try as best you can to put goodness in the world, right? Like I think now more than ever, you know, Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world, right? And, And so I feel like when so many people are disempowered or not happy with what they see in the world, right, we all have a, a, an individual difference to be that change, to, to go out and be kinder to people, to go out and, and be more connected, to be more altruistic. And each of us have that ability to, to impact the world, you know, in the way that we want to see it. And so I think now more than ever, is an opportunity to recognize that, you know, and to, to create the kind of world that we do want to live in. I think that is a terrific sentiment for us to end on. And Renee, I knew our conversation would be excellent, just like it was the first time. And as we correspond even offline. So again, thanks so much for joining me. Before I let you go, if people want to contact you or find out about your book, which I know it got delayed, I think, from when we first talked, but I believe is available now, where should folks reach out to you? So first of all, before I I talk about my book, 
I want to say, Greg, thank you so much for having me. For all of Greg's listeners, this guy is my word, awesome sauce. He's a mensch and he's a great guy. And I have thoroughly enjoyed my time together. So thank you so much, Greg. Um, and my book, it's called Chemo Muscles, Lessons Learned from Being a Psycho-Oncologist and Cancer Patient. I am both. And my book is very much about the experience of cancer, being able to uh, relate to someone who has had cancer and saying the appropriate things and giving them uh, real ways that you can impact them and be helpful and also ways to help healthcare providers, um, better ways that they can treat patients with dignity, respect, and care. Uh, so my book is available on Amazon um, and my website is drexelbert.com. Perfect. And of course, I'll put it all in the show notes. And Brene, I appreciate it being on the show again and we will absolutely be in touch. Thank you, Greg. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or all other major podcasting applications to be notified of our latest episode. You can also join our conversation at SuburbanFolk.com or any social media site, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the handle SuburbanFolk. Thanks for listening.